and welcome back to Evidence-Based Eating. I'm your host, Shay, and today on episode three, we're going to be talking about genetics. So before we get into food, which is what the rest of this podcast is about, let's get into how our body responds to food. Our body is like a loaf of bread, and our genetics are like the recipe that tells our cells, i.e. the chefs, what to do. And I use this silly analogy because our cells use food and energy as building blocks, but they only know how to do that because of our genetics, which are essentially the recipe book. We all look different and have unique personalities and responses to our environment and our food because of just a few genes. And on the website, I have some great links that you can learn more about really what makes us different. There have been many studies published in peer-reviewed journals looking at the effects of our genetics on our responses to food. Questions such as why do some people gain weight and others lose weight on the same diet have been studied for decades. And I've also included some really great articles from The Lancet and Cell, big journal names that have published some good insights into those questions. And today we're going to get deep into what genetics are and DNA so you can understand all of these resources better. And so if it's all about DNA, why don't we just have a DNA test to tell me what to eat? And this is a great question, a question I ask myself all the time, and I think in the future we will have better genetic tests because we have the Human Genome Project, which continues to produce incredible insights. Currently, our genetic testing requires many clinical trials and laboratory analysis, and because genetic expression is so complicated and intertwined, it's not so simple as, oh, well, we know you have the gene, so we could just test for it. When you're born, you get genetically tested, and these tests look for inborn errors of metabolism, meaning genetic diseases that, or genetic causes of diseases, some of which will change a patient's diet for life. And I'm not going to get into all the inborn errors of metabolisms. I have links and resources on the website so you can learn more about that. And if you've had a kid and you've seen them go through that testing, you'll have more information on why that was and what that meant. But in this podcast, I want to talk about the genetic testing that physicians use and how genetic work how genetics work in general. So uh, physicians do use genetic testing. They use it all the time to diagnose lots of different diseases. And the tests that they use are um, specific to what we know about genetics and what we know about that disease and the disease's genetics. So let's get into the basic of all of this, our DNA. What is our DNA? DNA is a genotype. A genotype means the genes. And the expression of that DNA is the phenotype. And the phenotype is what you see. For example, brown hair is a phenotype. However, just because we have the genetic code for something doesn't mean it will be expressed. Some genes have a higher risk of being expressed, such as dominant genes. You might remember learning about Mendelian genetics in high school. And Mendel demonstrated that we have a dominant and recessive genetic inheritance pattern, and that these genes that are inherited this way are called alleles. Alleles are variants, and they're different types of forms of a genetic uh, uh, or a gene that could create a genetic um, expression. For example, if you have an allele for the color of your hair, uh, the hair color is the gene. And then what color your hair ends up being is the phenotype, which you can see. In, most, in the most simple explanation, dominant alleles are expressed on their own, and recessive alleles are expressed when they're inherited as a pair. So when you inherit the same allele from each parent, 
you have inherited the pair, and we call that homozygous, meaning the same allele was paired in inheritance. When you inherit a different allele from each parent, that's called heterozygous, and a dominant allele can be expressed as a heterozygous pair, meaning you have one dominant and one recessive allele, and the dominant allele will be expressed. And a recessive allele is usually only expressed when inherited in a homozygous pair, meaning you've inherited both of the uh, recessive genes, both of the recessive alleles from your parents. If you have the allele for something, you have the ability to pass it on to your child, even if you do not express that allele. And there are many diseases that are caused by recessive diseases or recessive genes, meaning both parents carried the recessive gene and didn't express it, but happened to pass it on to their child who now expresses the disease. And that's why we do prenatal genetic testing. Those prenatal tests look for exactly that, those recessive genes that you might not be expressing, but you might be a carrier for and your child might express. Having a gene doesn't always mean expression. This is where genetics gets complicated, and this added layer of gene regulation is what we call multifactorial expression, meaning that some genes have many factors that regulate their expression. And multifactorial genetic expression is the most relevant to the small differences in each of us that determine whether we will get type 2 diabetes or high cholesterol, and specifically how we respond to our food. So to understand this, we have to go back to the basics of cell biology, a journey to the nucleus of the cell. Gene expression is regulated by proteins within the nucleus of the cell, and the nucleus is the house in the cell where DNA lives. There are doors to this house, this nucleus, where proteins can enter and exit, but DNA doesn't leave the nucleus of a healthy cell. DNA regulation, whether or not that DNA creates something, occurs through the modification of proteins that wrap up that DNA. DNA is like a long string and it's wrapped up on a spool and that spool is proteins and those proteins can lock down that DNA or they can release that DNA. And those proteins that wrap up that DNA are called histones. Histones are modified by adding things to them and this is called methylation or acetylation. When you inherit your, how your parents have regulated their genes, you are inheriting their genes methylation or acetylation patterns. And this is called epigenetics or imprinting. This is how you can express the same genes as your parents or your grandparents and why we can see the same patterns throughout generation, such as you all have hypertension or diabetes. If a gene is methylated, it is repressed, meaning that the gene will not be expressed. If a gene is acetylated, it is expressed, meaning you will be able to see it, such as brown hair. Unfortunately, we do not get DNA regulation information from DNA tests. So you might have the gene for something, but you might not ever express it. And we don't know whether or not you will express it just from looking at your DNA in multifactorial genes. So when a physician looks at a disease that is dependent on multifactorial genetic expression, they're looking at not only your DNA, but also they're looking at what happens after that DNA produces something. They're looking at the Mendelian expression of the DNA. Um, is it recessive or dominant? And then they're also looking at all of the uh, forms that that DNA takes when it's expressed. DNA testing is complicated and requires that your doctor complete a special residency and fellowship. And I have all of 
what I've just talked about, linked to lots of different resources on the website if you want to learn more about any of those things. The expression of DNA for a gene um, is also complicated. For a gene to be expressed, it must be transcribed into a protein because proteins are really what actually does something with that recipe. And there are proteins that can block transcription. So you can have a protein that you express and then it can go back and block further expression of itself. So transcription in the most simple form is when you go from DNA to mRNA to proteins and then those proteins go out and build a cell or they go back and regulate that DNA or they go back and become the proteins that transcribe DNA to make more proteins. To fully know if a genotype is going to turn into a phenotype, we have to know if the protein for which it codes for is being produced. And so we can look at that sometimes in a disease process. We can go look for the protein that we're expecting that DNA to produce. And if it's there or it's not there, that also can help us diagnose genetic diseases. So to summarize this fun throwback to high school biology, I want to leave you with my fundamental learning goals. One, genetics are what make us who we are. And there's a small fraction of our genes that make us different from each other. These genes determine features like our hair color and also how we respond to our environment. And some of these genes are affected by our environment, and that can cause us to have unique individual dietary needs. This is one of the reasons it's so difficult to run nutritional research. You're comparing a complicated system, like your body, to another complicated system, a whole diet made up of foods. And despite that complication, we still have created some really great publications and data from nutrition research, and that informs our guidelines. I want you to keep all of this in mind when you hear about a new nutrition study and why it has worked in the population that it was studied. And I want you to think about this when you're talking to somebody and you and them have different responses to the same foods. So remember to be kind to yourself and others and always enjoy your meal. See you on the next episode. Thank you.